Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Welcome to the Killer Women podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air Global Network with over 4 million listeners. I am your host, suspense author Danielle Girard, and my guest today is Flora Collins. Flora was born and raised in New York City and has never left except for a four-year stint at Vassar College. When she's not writing, she moonlights as a content manager for a tech startup. Nanny Dearest was her first novel and draws upon personal experiences from her own family history. Flora's latest book, A Small Affair, is out on December 27th. Welcome, Flora. Thank you so much for that fabulous intro, Danielle. Well, it was very easy, Flora. Somebody wrote for me, which is so fabulous. So before we get, um, before I start to gush about how much I loved um, A Small Affair, why don't you tell listeners a little bit about this book? Okay, so it is about the perils of online dating. Uh, A young woman who is very established in her career or or getting up there meets a wealthy older man. They go on a few dates. She breaks things off and then gets embroiled in a horrible, tragic event that he commits. Yes. So it's interesting. So one of the things I love most about this book, um, and there are many, is the sort of the idea of cancel culture, right? So because of this horrible thing that ha- that this man does, which has nothing to do with, um, you know, the our main character Vera, she gets canceled. Um, and it's you know that's a brutal for somebody. She's in the fashion industry. It's really brutal for her. Is that part of the the reason that you know was that an interesting aspect of this story for you? And and sort of how did you? You know, what made you sort of come to that as a as a way to, to punish poor Vera? <laughs> no, it absolutely was. I mean, I think when I, I was writing this or I began writing it in 2020, so we were very much enmeshed as a culture in this conversation around cancellation. Um, I, you know, I wanted Vera to kind of be this unlikable B-I-T-C-H. Um, and I wanted to explore how cancel culture would operate with someone who just wasn't inherently a likable woman. Uh, So those were some of the themes that I was thinking about when I, you know, when I explore that aspect of, of the book. Um, But I do have, you know, I have, I have empathy for Vera as well. I think that as you yourself said, she gets something that is completely unrelated to, you know, her own actions, really. Uh, she is scapegoated for a man's actions. And I, I actually, I have a piece coming out on, I'm, I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit here. Yeah, please. Coming, um, coming out on um, Crime Reads, which is all about, you know, famous women who have been maligned in the media due to the actions of men. So I obviously was thinking a lot about, you know, our Mia Farrow's, Joyce Maynard's, Lorena Bobbitt's like all these sort of interesting women who were ridiculed, mocked, uh, demonized in the media because of the men in their lives. Threat- and then threatened, you know. Threatened, you know, yes. All right? of that. So, so I, I got really excited. I get really, I got really excited about the sort of cancel culture. And there's so many p- parts of that I want to unpack about w- women and the way women are treated versus men, which I think part of the reason we do the show 
I always, I often say, you know, it's not that we don't love men. I, we do, but this is so, it's just, there's so much to unpack and, and explore about, you know, women and the things, the way the world treats us differently. Um, how much of that, you know, is actually sometimes our own making, right? We, we sort of do it to each other. We're not always the, you know, lovely, but what I want to come back to is sort of what was this, was, what was the, the spark or can you remember? Cause sometimes of course these things come to us and we don't really know, but what was the spark? for of inspiration for this story do you remember I, d I remember exactly the spark great great question uh so I was watching a documentary on Netflix called an American murder the family next door which is about the Chris Watts uh family annihilation case um Chris Watts was this dad and husband in Colorado who basically murdered his entire family to ostensibly be with his mistress who was oblivious uh to you know this like the fact that he you know had uh or he was you know happily I'm putting air quotes for podcast listeners happily right. married to, to his wife um and I was watching this documentary and I turned to my friend and I was like what would it be like to be this kind of oblivious mistress character in this narrative, in this story? Like that's right. like, you're, you know, you're seeing this guy, maybe you feel kind of serious about him. And then out of nowhere, you find out he's done the, yeah. the unspeakable horrific act possible. So that right. was, like, that was, that's going to want to make you keep dating him. Right. He just killed yeah, his entire family. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What, what must that man be thinking? Uh, I guess he tried to make it look like an accident or something. Yes, he he reported them. I mean, I, I like this yeah. documentary is is wild for so many different reasons. I haven't I have not rewatched it since that first time, kind of because I wanted to like, yeah, have my own book be like siloed from it. But um, it it's like he he reports them missing, and there's all this footage of her of the of the wife on on. Facebook, um, hawking products because she was in like an MLM and it, it just there's so many great aspects this case that are both horrifying but also fascinating. Like because right. you know, it's it's so interesting too to have like a whole history and record of a person's life and that and social media allows that. And it's another thing I I you know I get into in absolutely social media ends up being a very mm -hmm. big part of this as well and and largely because her career really puts her out there right i mean her career yes. her fashion career and and her boss at her fashion company is like post because you do such a great job you know of, of garnering interest and it is an inch it's an interesting that even in itself is such an interesting dynamic right you have a professional job that you do and you feel like you know it's for her, she's not a model. So it's not like she's supposed to be the one, the face of the brand. But yet, because of sort of the aesthetic of her social media, she becomes this like additional face of the brand. And they want that her boss sort of encourages her to put herself out there. And it's like that ends up sort of biting her in the ass, too. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you can't do anything right as a woman online, honestly. Like you just really can't. Um, and I mean, if you're going to be canceled, then people are just going to use, and again, canceled is a lot, a lot to say about like the kind of heaviness of that word and what it actually means, but right. for the sake of the, of the book to get canceled means that your entire 
you know, your entire history is going to be up for up for grabs. Oh yeah, and they and even if you close your account, they've screen grabbed it. It lives there forever. And yeah, um, no, it's whole. I mean, it really. And for Vera, I mean the the threats and the 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 danger. She, I mean, she ends up having to sort of run to her mother's um, house in uh, you know upstate, and that's of course its own. Um, it has its own complication because her relationship with her mother is complicated, which you know is another sort of factor of being a woman. I think our our, our relationships with our mothers are complicated. But I think to take to go back to the woman thing, there's a I I, I everybody knows that I make little tabs when I love things. In fact, I one of the things I need for Christmas is more of these little tabs. Um, but I love this line, and it, it's on 101, and it's um it's Vera, and and like you said, I I would say Vera is. She's not necessarily unlikable to me, of course, because I also, I think women should be able to be brusque and, and sort of professional, um, but she is, you know, she does have that sort of impact and in a culture where, where women from day one are taught, oh, you should smile. You'd be so much prettier if you'd smile. Like that is what we really need. Right. Um, she is not that type of person. So, um, and so she says here. Um, about in response to being harsh. She says, I'm a woman, I guess. Isn't that enough? I'm a bitch and I'm a woman or I'm a bitch because I'm a woman. And I think that's exactly right. I mean, the behaviors that men display often are really that same sort of like, I don't really want to deal with you. And yet they, we just brush it off. That's just, that's just them being men. But when it comes to a woman doing that, it's offensive. It's, it's a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And it's, how do we change that? What the fuck? <laughs> Pardon my French. Yeah, it's it's really, I, I don't have an answer for you, Danielle. And I, I mean, again, when I was writing this, I had Tom, who's the guy she has the affair with, sort of as the like gendered foil to her. You know, he's this powerful guy who is, you know, constantly praised and very successful in his career because he's kind of like this stoic, like, unemotional you know hey. worker employer employer you know it, it, and I I thought a lot about how he he and Veer share a lot of qualities which is one reason why they get along when right. they first start dating but how again those qualities bite Veer and the ass at mm-hmm. the end of the day she's a woman and he admires that in her and I think that's part of the attraction uh, you know originally as well mm-hmm. is that and it's an interesting thing because I do believe that in many cases, um, men admire the sort of strength of women until, and then there's a certain point at which if it means that, you know, you don't, she doesn't need him, right? Then it becomes Mm -hmm. less of an, he's less admiring of it as he is sort of threatened by it. Um, And that's, you know, that's where it sort of becomes a little more complicated. And it's interesting too, because his, you know, his wife, um, Odalie, I had to listen to like I picked that name um it was basically at random I wanted something that was like very different mm-hmm. and I had to listen to the me to too the- I had to google it and be like how do we pronounce it yeah. um but um it's a beautiful name but um so Odalie um you know she she's sort of raised in this environment which again is sort of a thing that happens with women where it's like you you find your job is to look really attractive to find a man and that is how you're gonna you know because they they live in this small town they want to get out she and her sister um 
who's another sort of really interesting aspect of this book. And we'll, we can touch on it without spoiling anything, but, um, but basically it's, you know, that is sort of, that's the option where Tom, you know, creates this company and he, we, you know, he gets to, to rise on his, you know, on his own. Um, the women, not Vera though, but the, you know, some of the other women are really sort of faced with the, the only way to really get out of this is to attach yourself to a man. Yep. A hundred percent. And I think, Odalie also, um, she lacks a certain kind of strength um, and confidence in herself that unfortunately prevents her from kind of being a an autonomous individual for a very, very, very long time. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of a product of her upbringing. I don't think that's a, a fault of hers entirely. So I'm glad that you I don't know, you recognize that. <laughs> yeah, and, and actually, I think that's one of the fabulous um, character arcs, right, is, and we won't, we won't talk much about it, but Odalie does, um, you know, she does rise to the occasion, so that's, you know, that's fabulous, too. And one of the other things I want to talk about is sibling rivalry, because I think this is another really interesting aspect of, particularly, I think, between, um, you know, siblings of the same gender, right? We have Tom and his brother. Um, we have Odalie and her sister. And then, you know, Vera has a couple brothers who are actually more supportive. They don't seem to be as, you know, but there is this, this, and you know, this sense of always being compared to somebody else in your family. Um, that is, do you, are you a, do you have siblings? I'm an only child actually, but I'm really, really fascinated by sibling relationships. Like, I mean, who wouldn't be as an only child like I think they're so right. funny and weird and I I like I don't know I think after years and years and years of observing friends of mine and and my parents too and their relationships with their with their siblings like I've internalized a lot of like I guess dynamics and like and you know what what makes a kind of good healthy sibling relationship and what doesn't and obviously like serious envy or you know attention given to one sibling is always going to to create a imbalanced dynamic and parents do that I mean we do it and yes. sometimes you know yes. I, I you know I am a parent um and I have a daughter and a son and I, I recognize now that they're 23 and tw 21 almost or anyway close to that I recognize the fact that there are things you know you do uh, there's expectations you have of the older child because they're older. Um, there's expectations I have from my daughter because she's a daughter, which is all very unfair. Um, but in the moment you're doing it, you just, you know, you, you don't really think about it. And then of course, later they unpack it for you because everybody always unpacks things for their mother and explains all, course, the, ways, all yes. the ways you messed it up. But it's fair. I mean, that's fair. And I think, you know, um, I'm one of four and we're two girls and two boys and I see it there too. It's really, and I can imagine, I, one of my daughter's closest friends who's sort of my second daughter is, is an only child. And it's right. It's a very strange phenomenon for you to see. Um, yes. Because well, there's you... no comparison for me. Mm -hmm. It's like, I, you know, I have great friends. I've been friends with my entire life, but that's nothing compared to, you know, literally sharing like the same DNA as someone. In yeah, and the parents and, and sharing and the, parents, the, the, yeah. the home and the upbringing and all that, the dynamics. Although it is interesting too, to your point, is that actually isn't quite the same home. 
um, you know, it's not exactly the same for that first child, for the second child as it was for the first yeah. child and for the fourth child as it was for the first child. And we, you know, I'm 17 years older than my baby brother, same parents. Okay. And yeah. we talk a lot about how different, um, you know, my experience, what growing up with my parents was as my, than my brother Steve's experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think your parents probably are different people too. It's like, if there's a almost 20 year age difference it's like they're they're going to be just different types of parents absolutely right nervous yeah. first parents versus like whatever you know by the time I mean and that makes sense I mean we you can only be <laughs> vigilant for so long it's exhausting so another thing with the book that I really appreciated is the idea of sacrificing something important to, to get ahead right um you know morals um uh, you know, uh, excusing bad behavior. There's, you know, the the town that um, that Odalie and her sister grow up in is sort of a resort town, right? There's, they have a lot of people who come in with a lot of money, their second homes, um, a lot of bad behavior. Um, and, you know, they look down on the locals, of course, and this, you know, it's very much how these towns work, right? And I, I wondered if that's something you're sort of interested in exploring, the idea that we look away from sort of the bad things if it means getting ahead and and you know what do we make of that right is, is it a net is it sort of a necessary evil yeah no that's that's a, a great observation and I mean there is that one like paragraph I think it it's in the middle of the book where uh Vera is talking to Paige, who's Odalie's sister, and she's kind of explaining the the dynamics of like rich Brooklyn moms mm -hmm. and how, you know, there's this sort of liberalism that is required uh, while their husbands are, you know, possibly, you know, their husbands who are, who are running banks, et cetera, are, are possibly exploiting their workers, damaging, damaging the environment. Like there, there's this cognitive dissonance that's so required to be like an extremely wealthy person in the U.S. today. So I, I, I do feel like that, that, I mean, that plays a part, that plays a part in, in sort of like getting ahead. Like you, if, if you want to be that powerful and that rich, like you, you do have to kind of like look the other way about a lot of things it is really that is a really yeah that sort of one percent or even whatever point one percent is you know the people who have so much wealth and it's true it's an interesting that you know I didn't think about it so, as such a contradiction but it absolutely is that they they are liberal and they're and they you know a lot of them make wonderful contributions to you know to to services that we otherwise wouldn't get and people that people need and that's incredible and yet at the same time right they're not they're not restructuring, their husbands aren't restructuring organizations so that low workers make more money and, and they right. therefore take, <laughs> you know, el eliminate their multi-million dollar bonuses and there's none of that, right? It's, it's sort of a, it's a lim it's, it's generous and probably in terms of the monies that you and I have, it's obviously really generous, but in terms of sort of the, the real distribution of wealth, it's, it's maybe not. Right, exactly. And I, and I wanted to correct myself, like, is this not just husbands also women in oh, power. Right. yeah like I, I I thought a lot about that um when I was writing this as someone who grew up in Manhattan which is like you know in, insanely crazy when it comes to 
insanely crazy. What? A, what? A, I'm a writer. I can talk well, <laughs> but no, it, it's 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 yeah, really no, a place to grow up. Um, yeah. And you know, I went to I went to an all girls school, private school for for 13 years. Uh, I mm. live in Brooklyn now, in Brooklyn Heights, which is like you know basically the the I don't know like the Upper East Side of Brooklyn like I, I I've been very much enmeshed in these like circles of mm-hmm. of wealth for my like most of my life and I, I it's it's something that I I you know I like I like being uh a a fly on the wall kind of both there but also observing the, the again the cognitive dissonance that occurs right Right. And it does feel like, I mean, like Paige, so, so Odalie's sister um, comes into the story, um, you know, when, when, when they do sort of a, when they, when the whole family comes to um, New York to, for the, um, well, anyway, when the whole family comes to New York and um, it, it, Paige is really interesting, right? Because she, it, there is this sort of insider outsider thing that is very similar to where the, the town Paige grew up. And she sort of looks to Vera who is, you know, who's like you. I mean, she grew up in that, you know, she she became an adult in New York and she feels very much a part of, of New York culture and understands, although of course she's not uber wealthy, but she understands the sort of dynamics of those groups because of her experiences. And Paige, of course, is, is new to all of that. And there is this sense of sort of, you know, you don't have, I mean, those groups can be, of course, you know, restricted to the uber wealthy, but there's lots of people who kind of are on the periphery and involved in those groups, but you sort of have to know the rules, right? And there are, and that's probably true of of any, I'm not rich. Yes, there is a sort of a, you know, and it's in there, it's the same, I live in Montana and there's a culture here too, for sure. And so you have to sort of understand the culture um, before you dig it. And that was, that's a really interesting part of this book as well. The idea of that culture. There is so much gatekeeping. Um, I get it just like, I don't know. I class and and wealth, especially in New York City, is like such a, a strange place because there's also it's it's almost different from anywhere else, at least in America, because like there's New York is is New York. So like you have clout for maybe different reasons than you would in another place. Like if you are in the art, you know, you might, you might not make a ton of money, but if you're very important in the arts, for example, you're going to, you know, probably brush shoulders with people who are, you know, make hundreds of millions of dollars a year. You know, it's, it's a really, it's, it's a really interesting context to set a book in, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And it's your home. So it's like, you know, it's something you know a lot about. Um, One of the things I also really like is the sort of idea of the big life versus the little life. And, um, and there is a point um, when Vera wonders um, if what all this that's happened to her is the universe telling her to sort of be quieter and less herself, which I appreciate too, because it's like, there are those moments where, you know, something happens to us, we say something or we get ourselves, you know, or we're put in a situation or we get ourselves in a situation where all of a sudden it's very uncomfortable. And we think, God, if I hadn't spoken up, or if I hadn't done that thing, I, I wouldn't be dealing with this. And I, I mm-hmm. like the idea that she sort of always felt like, Vera felt like she deserved, she was always meant to have a big life, right? And for the first time, because of all of this, she sort of hesitates about that. Um, and so that's, it's a good question. Like, can you live a little life and do, you know, and be somebody who is, you know, seen in social media? And I mean, 
is it even possible? Well, especially if, if having an audience is important for you to quote unquote, get ahead. And I think that's, that's the crux of it is like, if you need followers and engagement and, you know, all these things that come with posting on social media, then like, it's, yeah, it's, you're, you're tethered to your phone. If you're tethered to your phone, you can't really have a, a smaller life, I think. Um, yeah. Especially if it's your face, right? Especially, I think if yes. it's your face it's that's your up face. there, then it's yeah. really hard because, you know, that means people will, will recognize you wherever you go. I mean, I think about being an actor as sort of the hardest possible environment to, well, an actor, and, and particularly a female actor, um, because you just like, they can't even go to the, I can't imagine, they can't even go to the grocery store. Um, I know people think that sounds fabulous, but to me, it sounds so horrible. No, sounds, I, I completely agree. I think it sounds terrible. Like it's yeah. no uh, privacy whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I would not want mm-hmm. anyone like knowing my, I don't know, my my day-to-day, the way that like mm-hmm. these the celebrities get held. No, it's no, so- exactly. Uh, um, what's interesting too, is the I mean, so Vera's relationship with her mother is a sort of another really interesting aspect of the book. And, um, and there's a part actually towards sort of the end of the book when her mother does a little bit of an about face that I really appreciate because I think as mothers too, and particularly mothers of daughters, um, we have this mixed emotion of, you know, wanting to protect them and keep them in sort of like a little box so that they can never, ever get hurt. Um, and then at the same time, we want them to just, you know, blossom and grow and be, and her mother says um, that she feels like she pushed Vera to be the kind of woman who took up space, who dictated the space. Um, and I sort of wanted you to talk about that because I thought that was a really interesting way of, of speaking about what her mother had hoped for her. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking a lot about how someone becomes a Vera, like a woman like Vera, and what the parenting style would have to be to to become someone like Vera. And I think a lot of it would have to come from the mother, um, just because, again, as you're saying, moms and daughters, that that's a very special, distinct mm-hmm. kind of relationship. And I mean, I have so I I mean I I obviously love the mother daughter dynamic. I love exploring it. I think it's like one of the most interesting things to write about. I have like a very larger than life mom myself. My mom was a journalist for Vanity Fair for 25 years, a pretty public New York figure. Uh, she is also works in fashion, very much a multi hyphenate. And um, I'm like, I you know I she 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 definitely instilled this kind of like quiet confidence in me it's different than Vera it's different than Vera but it's it's I think a lot about what who who I am and how I am you know today because of my mom and and who she was and so I don't know I'm I'm different from Vera obviously my mom is different from Vera's mom but I I wanted to or I, I thought a lot about like I don't know how we become who we are and how our moms absolutely absolutely and I mean your mom sounds like like, I don't you know it's Vera's mother is is she has a lot of her own insecurity right I mean she's she doesn't seem to have have established herself the way clearly your mother has and so while Vera becomes confident her confidence isn't sort of that quiet like inside me confidence mm-hmm. it's a confidence that she sort of feels like she has to prove all the time 100%. and that I think is is a really different type yes. of confidence your mother was 
sounds like she gave you an incredible gift. And um, Fear's mother, you know, I mean, she did the best she could. And I think actually that is something that we learn um, about her, you know, all of our characters, right? I mean, we're only, no one is perfect and no one parents perfectly. And, uh, you know, we do, we sort of do the best we can do. Um, one of the other things I love about this book, which I keep saying, I'm like, and I love this, and I love this, but the, um, there's a wonderful line about rage and women's rage. And we, you know, there's so much conversation about women's rage and why it is that women have, you know, so much rage, which I think is pretty clear, you know, clear that it's because we take our anger, which, you know, is just where everybody has anger and we press it down yes. for decades. And then all yes. of a sudden it is no longer anger, it is rage. And there's a line, um, it's on page 295. It says, I have so much rage that I could go light a fire with it extinguish this entire city with one exhaled breath and I love that because I think we've all been there right we've all been to that point where it's just you just think and I thought that's so lovely to imagine you know she's like a dragon right like a fire breathing dragon yeah. with her and rage. I, you're absolutely right I think that a lot of women cannot tap into their anger a lot of people who have been gendered as women can't tap into their anger um and I I also think when it comes to even when it comes to like dating or or breaking up with people, et cetera, like I I find that a lot of women who date men tend to, you know, kind of be like, oh, oh, it's okay. That behavior is okay. Like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. When what you really want to do is send that damn text being like, hey, you're a friggin' asshole. Like, mm -hmm. you did X, Y, and Z wrong. Like, you... I, you don't deserve me and I want to like have nothing to do with you anymore and, and <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm I'm saying that like it, it can be cathartic to let that kind of emotion out and I, I feel like even Vera in the book when she breaks up with Tom she's pretty like cordial yeah. about it even like she I mean not to I'm spoiling my own book but it's like you know she breaks up with him after she hears this vitriol that he has against his mm -hmm. ex-wife and you know honestly what Veer maybe should have done was be like hey like that is a really unappealing quality like yeah you know, and but you know she even even Vera like tamps down that that right. kind of anger toward him um, and we do you think we do that partially because it's almost a little scary it's protective yeah. it's super protective um and I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not championing, championing like anger in like no personal no. relationships at all. But I, I do think I, I, as a, you know, 29 year old in New York city, I've dated a lot. And I, I feel like it's, it's just interesting how in those specifically in those situations, women, um, you know, they don't want to seem like they're crazy. So they don't actually express how they're feeling. And that right. just builds up more and more and more. Rage. until they are crazy until okay. we are all crazy so, exactly yeah exactly. I love it so Vera, you know I I I really do appreciate her and I don't you know I think there is something there is a shift you know from in um in women in young women and I like that I that I really appreciate and I think that they're they are bolder and they're like I'm not I'm not going to deal with that and they're and they're they're more resistant to the idea that you know that you're supposed to smile because that's what women are supposed to do. I, and I really, I, I see that in my daughter and I see that in young people and I'm glad for it. I think, you know, it's, it's time. It's time. 
Um, not to say you can't smile. I think you can if you'd like to, but only if you want to, right? I want to, um, I want to zoom in on the back of your book. I know podcast, um, listeners, you can't see this, but Flora's, um, Flora's author photograph is so fabulous. You'll have to go online and look at it when you buy the book, but, um, tell us about that picture. It looks, I was saying, yeah, there's a great, there's a great story behind that. Um, so I have a family friend called, um, I.K. Ude, he is a Nigerian artist. And when he heard I had this book deal, he was like, I want to take your author photo, uh, which was like such a, a blessing. Like it was, yeah. like, it was like, whoa, like that's so generous. Like that's that's incredible. Like I was so honored. So I I sat for him and he, yeah, he took that incredible photo. Uh, he fabulous of a mixed media artist so like it's it's a little bit like I mean I have it actually I'm looking at it right now I have it in my you have it hanging in your room it's gorgeous it's, there's a lot of um like uh what's the word like uh editing of the color yeah uh, which is really interesting but yeah I you know it's funny I have another headshot that is like more of an author headshot and so when I, depending on like what I'm sure what I'm using, what I'm doing, I, I give them either that photo or the the headshot. The, yeah, the I, I do. I love it. It's a really cool, it's a super cool photo. And that was why when we were talking earlier, I was like, you must be an actor because it looks like, or it almost yeah, looks, it looks like, like, like a Yeah. It's like you're, you know, or not vaudeville, um, like a burlesque, you know, it's yeah. like you're going to go dancing, which is so I, fabulous. So, um, well, so it's a small affair. Tell us what is next. What are you working on now, Flora? I am working on a third thriller. Uh, it has not been option. I mean, I'm I'm in the whole optioning process right yeah. now with it. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't like. I I feel like I'm I'm just sort of like hmm, like hoping, but try not to like you know think too much about it uh be too anxious about it but yeah I am working on a on a third book good for you well you know um having been my first book came out when I was 29 and I'm obviously a lot older than that now so having been through the rigmarole a lot of times I've had plenty of I've been where you are plenty of times and you know I think the big thing is to keep writing you know keep um Mm -hmm. and don't let uh just don't let the business get too much in the way of the um of the process and the art and the craft right so um but we'll look forward to um book three and um flora collins where can we find you where's your what's where are you on social media since we're first talking about social media as uh flora collins underscore author and that's my main form of social media i'm not a big twitter or facebook person so yeah awesome and then do you have a website flora I, embarrassing that I don't have a website that's okay I mean I think it's it's interesting like as you, you're a younger generation you're probably leading the pack and like I'm not doing everything this is where you can find me and Instagram is a wonderful spot um so we will look for you there Flora Collins underscore author thank you so much for joining us a small affair was so it's fun lots that. of really fun things to um unpack so everybody should pick this up it's out December 27th yes. and I think our episode is coming out the 22nd so just a few days before uh, your release date. So congratulations on this. Thank you for joining us. Thank you everybody. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you, everybody. This is killer women and we will see you next time. Bye.